Amen. Well, thank you, worship team. And thank you for being here this morning as we conclude uh, our series on community. We've been talking about what it means to live in true biblical community. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to go all in with biblical community here at Kernan. So would you pray with me and then we'll dig in. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for allowing us to be here this morning. We thank you for allowing us to worship you, our God and our creator. And we thank you that you have loved us in such a way that you gave up everything. You sacrificed your life. You died in our place so that you could form us and shape us by giving us new life into who you want us to be. And we thank you for the church. We thank you that you died for your church, for your people, to bring us to yourself, to be a light to this world, to love and serve one another as we seek to love and serve you. Lord, would you share with us through your word the riches of that truth this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, what does it mean to go all in? What does it mean to go all in? Well, going all in means that you are fully committed. It means that you are fully involved. It means that you are willing to take serious risks. You see, if real biblical community is going to be a reality here at Kernan, as we've been talking about for the last few weeks, that means we have to go all in. We have to be fully committed. We have to be fully involved. We have to be willing to take risks and make sacrifices. But if you're smart, then you'll want to know what you're getting into before you really decide to go all in with anything in life, right? I mean, just ask anybody who's ever been duped into joining a pyramid scheme, right? I mean, they'll tell you, yeah, should have checked that out a little better. But here, right, if you go all in with God's church, what are you getting into? Well, that's what I want us to see today. There are two aspects of the church or two metaphors that really help us understand exactly what we are committing to and the implications of going all in. So the first metaphor, and there's several metaphors in the scriptures about uh, the church, but there's two I want to focus on today. The first one is the church as family. The church as family. Now, I know we talked about this uh, to some degree last week. We're going to look at it from a different angle today, though. But I want, I want to expound on this concept. You see, when talking about the church, the New Testament is full of familial language. Paul talked to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. And here's what he said. Listen to this family, the language of family here. He said, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Do you see that language there? We are adopted into God's family, Paul says. We call him Father. We are his sons and daughters. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. 
Paul is teaching a young pastor, and he says this. He says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters in all purity. You see, when we think about family, all of us probably have very different and unique ideas and things that that come into our minds because, first of all, let's remember that there's no such thing as the picture-perfect family you may see in TV or on TV. Every family comes with its own unique set of challenges, right? But some of us grew up with more stability in our families than others. Some of us grew up with very broken family situations, But regardless of where you are right now, or regardless of what your past looks like, what matters is where you are now and where you are going. You see, God designed the church to be a family. And that's not just a metaphor, it's reality. God designed us, the church, to be a real family. You see, when God the Father sent His Son... Jesus, to die in our place for our sins, that paid the price for every sin you've ever committed. That allowed your sin to be accounted for. So that means that God the Father, through Jesus' substitution for you, now adopts you into His family. He becomes your heavenly Father. So all of us who have experienced this adoption, this salvation into that family because of Jesus' blood, we are united together forever as a spiritual family. We are truly brothers and sisters. You know, one of the most symbolic uh, pictures or places we see in the intricacies of a family on display is around a dinner table. A dinner table can be a very special place. Uh, In his book, Life and Community, Dustin Willis talks about the significance of, of this concept. You see, a dinner table is where a family can come together and discuss all of life's ups and downs, share one another's burdens, rejoice with one another. Or if you're in the life stage I'm in, watch your one year old throw all of his food on the floor, right? There's all kind of fun things that can happen at a dinner table, but it's the fellowship of the meal that brings people together. And, and why do we feel such a connectedness as we gather with others around a table of food? I mean, this is true for families, but also just with friends, right? I mean, I hardly ever hang out with anybody unless food or coffee is involved, right? If you want to hang out with me, let's go eat. That's what we do. That's what humanity does. Sharing a meal together is a universal custom that shows friendship. It's a symbol of connectedness. Maybe that's a framework for community given to us by God himself. You see, think about dinner tables throughout the Bible, so to speak. In the Old Testament, you see Israel gathering around the table to celebrate what they called the Passover meal. In the New Testament, you see Jesus instituting a new meal, one that shows 
He is now the Passover lamb who takes away the sins of the world. But there's another table in the Scriptures that the Bible tells us about that has yet to happen. There's another table, another meal yet to take place where the family of God will gather. In Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 9, the Apostle John is getting a vision. He's receiving a vision of heaven from Jesus himself. Jesus is, is giving John a glimpse of what heaven will be like. And here's what he sees. He says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, listen to this, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. There's a supper, there's a dinner table awaiting us in heaven because of Jesus. Guess what? You, if you have put your faith in Christ today, you have a seat at that table. There is a spot reserved for you, no matter what your earthly family circumstance may have been or is currently now. You have a forever family. You have been adopted into the family of God, and though we are all messed up, every single one of us in this room who knows the Lord Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, man, we are messed up people, all of us, myself included. We are messed up with sin in this life, but one day we will all gather together as a family at the table of God. See, that's who we are, church. That's who we are at this church. We are that family. We're a small glimpse of it, right? I mean, it's worldwide. This family expands across the globe through all kinds of ethnicities and races and countries and borders and languages. The kingdom of God knows no boundaries. And so the local church is a manifestation of that greater kingdom, of that greater global expansion. Here we are, tucked here on Kernan Boulevard in Jacksonville, Florida, a glimpse just a little glimpse of what we are all looking forward to. The family gathering together. So what should that compel us to do then? Knowing this truth, what should this compel us to do? Well, I think it should compel us to live now in the present in light of that certain future we will all share together forever. It should compel us to, to strive to, to treat each other now like we're going to live together forever. You may be looking around the room like, I don't really want to live with some of these people together forever, right? <laughs> it's okay. We're going to be sinless. It's going to be fine. God's got it all worked out, okay? It should compel us, though, in the here and now to go all in. To go all in with the family that we're already a part of, that we're always going to be a part of, that's going to be perfect one day, though we're messed up now, it should compel us now in the present to commit to one another, to commit to the body, the family of God. 
in preparation for that heavenly gathering around the table. It's who we are now. It's who we'll always be. We're a family. But we're also a body. That's the second metaphor I want us to see to really drive this point home of going all in. The church as the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14, and then down in 27, Paul says this to the church in Corinth. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So he's talking about the physical body at first, but listen now. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And then he clarifies down in verse 27. He says, now you, you church members are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So Paul makes it very clear. He uses this metaphor to explain the other reality, that we are the spiritual body of Christ. You see, just like a physical body is made up of different parts that have different functions, so as well the body of Christ, the church, is made up of all kinds of different people with different gifts and different talents and different backgrounds. You see, we all come from so many different backgrounds, and that is such a beautiful thing. It is such a wonderful thing, because that means that we can all bring something different to the table. And I'm not just talking about a potluck either, by the way. <laughs> Though, maybe your mac and cheese is really the best, right? It allows us to all bring something different to and into the church. Different talents, different gifts, different resources, different skills, different knowledge. You see, the church, the church is supposed to be, it's meant to be a highly diverse place. While at the same time, be in a highly unified place. How is that possible? What else in this world can bring people together from different races and political beliefs and backgrounds and socioeconomic statuses? Nothing can bring all kinds of different people together like the body of Jesus Christ, like the gospel, because our unity is not based on something outside of here. Our unity is based on Jesus himself. His salvation is the one thing we for sure all have in common. It's all that really matters. Christ is the head of the body. He's the head of the church. Jesus is the leader of this church. In Colossians 1 verse 18, Paul says this to a different church in Colossae. He says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He, Jesus, is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. May Christ always be preeminent in everything we do here at Kernan. So in light of this truth, that Jesus is the head, that you are a member of his spiritual family and body, let me ask you this. How much do you care about your body's health? How much do you care about your physical health? A lot, 
right? I mean, hey, if you're sick, you're going to do whatever it takes to get well, right? I mean, I could stub my toe and feel like I need to lay down for a few hours, and Chrissy just rolls her eyes like, you are pathetic, right? But we care. We care a lot about our physical health. Now, some people do a better job than others in proactively pursuing a healthy lifestyle, right? Some people even go to extremes and do this thing called jogging, right? Whatever. The truth is, though, all of us care about our physical health. Of course we do. We want to be healthy. But maybe you're like me. A lot of us want that healthy result without having to put in the effort that, really, that it really takes and we know that's, not, that's just not how it works. Is it? <laughs> to be healthy, it does take a good level of discipline and effort. It takes sacrifice. Well, I think all of us, we want, we want to be a part of a healthy church, don't we? I mean, who wants to go to a church that's falling apart at the seams and where there's just no unity and there's arguing and bickering and, and things are bad and I mean, we all, everybody in the world wants to be a part of a healthy church, right? But the question is, are we willing to put in the effort that it takes to do our part to make the body of Christ healthy? You see, we are the body of Christ. And listen, I'll be honest, I think we are a healthy church here at Kernan. That's no credit to anybody except the Lord Jesus himself and his grace. But we've got a long way to go. And we've got a lot we need to do. We've got a lot I feel like the Lord wants us to do. So the question is, are we willing to put in the effort that it takes to make his body healthy to the fullest? We are his body, and it takes all of us doing our part for the body to be healthy. But this comes at a cost. And that's what I want us to look at next. What, what's the cost of going all in? So we know we're a family we're no, we know we're the body of Christ. Now, what's the cost this is going to, to take from us? Well, you know the old saying, you only get out of something what you put into it, right? And I think that's true in some sense about when you're thinking about your church involvement. But that may also be a little bit of a selfish way about thinking about the church and the family of God. Because at the end of the day, it's not about what you may get out of this. You see, we have to adopt a team mindset. Your involvement, or lack thereof, affects the entire health of the body of Christ. Did you know that? You know, imagine just a football player not wanting to go play, right? Imagine them on the sidelines and the coach says, all right, let's go, let's go. And, 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 the, and the player just looks up at the coach and says, ah, nah, I'm good. That's basically what happened to Georgia Tech last night, I think. But anyways, you see, the reality is for, for the body of Christ to be healthy and, and functioning properly and growing in holiness, it's going to take all of us having this team mindset where we're willing to get in the game and get dirty and get whatever it takes, right, to, to do and make those sacrifices in all areas of our lives. So that's going to be time. That's going to be money. That's going to be mental energy. It's going to be emotion. And so you probably ask yourself, I don't know if this is worth it. 
I mean, is it, is it worth it to commit myself fully in this way to the family of God and His body? It's absolutely worth it. Because how can any church be a light to the world as we are called to be? Every church, by the way, is called to be a light of Jesus to the rest of the world that's watching. How can, though, any church be that light? How can we be appealing to the world and persuade them that they need Jesus when we ourselves are half-heartedly committed to his body? Or if we're okay with his body being unhealthy because we're not willing to do our part. That's that's not very convincing to a watching world. Each member of the body has to do his or her part. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 4 to the church in Ephesus. Notice how I've tried to clarify on each scripture today. Paul is talking to a different church scattered around the Middle East and Europe. He's talking to all kinds of churches because these truths are true for every church. Every pastor in America or around the world could preach some version of this sermon this morning and it would be true for all of us. So Paul says to the church in Ephesus in chapter 4, he says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, Again, Christ is the leader. He's the head, right? Into Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, that's you, by the way, you're the joint, right? With which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the whole body, right? Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Man, that's beautiful. What a beautiful prescription for the way the church is supposed to function. Every joint, every person, every member, hand in hand, locked arm in arm, ready to go against the evils of this world, ready to fight sin together, ready to live out the love of Jesus and communicate His grace to people who desperately need it, ready together to do this so that the body of Christ is built up in love. It's beautiful, but it's going to cost you. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tempting to just give up, kind of check out. It's going to be tempting to just come and sit in the worship service and observe, take a couple little good nuggets home with you, but never get more involved. It's going to be tempting to do that. It's going to be tempting to want to sit on the sidelines and just watch the game. But it's so worth it to go all in. Because I want to tell you and I want to share with you the reward. The reward of going all in. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47. This is a description of the first church. It's our base, this is part of our base passage for this series, so I wanted to close with it. In Acts 2, Luke is a historian and recording what happened in the first church in the first century. Here's what he says. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were learning about Jesus for the first time, turning away from their sin, turning to Christ for salvation, turning away from the things of the world that they had been clinging to, thinking that, they, thinking that those things would give them hope. They heard the gospel message of Jesus from these crazy Christians who were loving each other, going all in the body of Christ. And what happened? The Lord blessed that effort and added to their number because people were hearing and receiving the gospel through the witness of the church. You see, these first Christians living in Palestine in the first century, they gathered together around the table, so to speak, as a family, as the body of Christ, as they learned to love God and each other in biblical community, something else began to happen. It wasn't that they just began to love God and each other more. Their love and their passion and their concern for the surrounding world and those that didn't know Christ, that love began to grow. You see that? Their friends and their neighbors began to believe. Their lost family members began to believe. The people in their city began to believe. Not because those people saw something so special about the church or because they had good programs, but because the church showed them something spectacular about Jesus. Not about themselves. The church was just a big spotlight, a big arrow on a sign pointing the people, the lost people in their lives to Christ, not to the church itself, but to Jesus. Some of you, some of you know what that reward looks like. You know, some of you here today have been members at this church for decades. Even back when we were South Side Estates Baptist Church. And I just want to personally say thank you. Thank you for your commitment to the church. Thank you for understanding the cost that I'm talking about and demonstrating that cost. I guess we could say it this way, thank you for being all in. Because I hope over the years, for those of you who've been here a long time at Kern, and I hope you've experienced that reward of, of going all in with the family of God. And I'm sure many of you have seen the evidence of God's power at work. Because we see that evidence. Every time somebody goes under these waters in the baptistry, we see that is the power of God at work. Bringing people into his family and adopting them and giving them a seat at the table. But all of us, regardless of how long we've been here, we all must commit to the family for the health of the body. Commit to the family for the health of the body, for the glory of Jesus, for the mission of God. We must go all in. In just a moment, we are going to symbolically gather as a family around the table, so to speak, the table of the Lord's Supper. But before we do that, I want to say if, if you are a member here at Kernan, I want you to ask yourself, am I really all in? 
Am I looking to play my part, like Paul said in Ephesians 4? Whatever part that is, am I looking to play my part and make sacrifices for the, for the health of my church family and the body of Christ? Or am I just here to get, just to take something without giving anything in return? That's a question we have to all just ask ourselves personally and, and really only between us and the Lord really know the real answer there, the real motivation. That's a question we have to really answer and pray and ask the Lord to help us do the right thing. But if you're not a member here at our church, I, I just want to say this to you. I want you to know that we are very glad you are here. We are so glad you are here. And maybe it's time for you to join the church and go all in. We have a few specific steps necessary to, to join the church, but the first step in that process is participating in, what, in a class we call Discover Kernan. Uh, Discover Kernan is a, a three-week class for anyone interested in learning more about the church. It is required that you take the class for membership, but it's open to anybody. So you don't have to, there's no pressure. We won't pressure you to join the church if you take the class. It's open to everybody if you just want to come and learn more about what the church is like and, and what it means for you to be a member. We would love to have you, we'd love to have you. And, and so I'm happy to announce that we have set the dates for our next Discover class, our fall semester part of it. And uh, so that's going to be on Sunday mornings at 9.15 a.m. on September 19th, September 26th, and October 3rd. Again, just three weeks in a row. Um, you can sign up today uh, out in the main lobby at the info desk. We have a sign-up sheet for you. Man, we would love to have you. We would love to welcome you. Um, but before we, get, before we particip participate in the Lord's Supper, I want to pray for us. And uh, Corey Causey is going to come up and, and play on the piano. But I just want to pray and ask the Lord to help us really reflect on, on what it means to live in this biblical, biblical community we've been talking about for the last several weeks. What it means to commit and go all in, to commit to the family of God for the health of his body. Can we do that, church? Can we go all in? Would you pray with me and ask the Lord to help us do just that? Lord Jesus, we are thankful. We're so thankful that you went all in for us. Lord, that you gave up everything, that you sacrificed your life. You held nothing back. Lord Jesus, you gave up yourself so that we could be a part of your family forever. So that no matter what circumstance we grew up in, no matter how broken our home has been or is now, that, Lord Jesus, you have brought us into the family of God. The Father has adopted us through your blood. And now we get a seat at your table, Lord. We get to call you, Jesus, our brother, God, our Father. We get to be a part of this special family forever. And live in paradise where there's no more pain or suffering there's no more sin where things function the way you designed them to be. We get to live and experience that joy of your presence forever, Lord, because you went all in for us. So, Lord, how could we not? How selfish of us, Lord, to hold anything back and not go all in, not commit to your family for the health of your body. 
Lord, would you help us? Each of us are at different we're at different stages of our life. We're at different levels of involvement, Lord. But I pray that you would help each of us to understand and to think thoroughly in our hearts and minds right now. Holy Spirit, convict us and show us what the next step is for us to take. Lord, we know this. We know that you love us. We know that you have a plan for this church. We know that you love this church. We know that you love the church around the world. And we know you want us to be obedient, to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love each other as well, to love our neighbor as ourselves. So God, help us to go all in so that we can truly do just that by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you bless us with this biblical community. Help us to love it and enjoy it and find the peace that you designed for us to have in it in our unity with you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.